Welcome to the Kim B. Davis Show. Here we'll talk to the leaders in technology, culture, business, and the arts. We'll cover politics, advocacy, motherhood, writing, mental health, and mostly we'll focus on hope. Join Kim B. Davis, author, playwright, radio personality, event consultant, professional speaker on the Kim B. Davis Show. Good morning and welcome to the Kim B. Davis Show. I'm your host, Kim B. Davis, and live with us this morning, we have historian and author of A Fluid Frontier and To the River, Kimberly Simmons. She is also the executive director of the Detroit River Project. Good morning, Kimberly. How are you? Well, good morning, Kimberly. How are you? I'm great this morning. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you. I woke up with uh, freedom on my mind today. Absolutely. Well, today is Emancipation Day, and you are my favorite historian. And so tell us, what is Emancipation Day? And is this a day that we celebrate? And then I'll have some more questions for you about who celebrates it, where it's celebrated, and is it an international holiday? Well, August the 1st, traditionally, well, not traditionally, legally, August the 1st, 1834, uh, was the day of, quote, emancipation uh, for those held in servitude in the United Kingdom, otherwise known as England. Mm -hmm. um, therefore, all of the British colonies, well, British, the British uh, lands, British colonies, actually emancipated those in servitude. Um, so that was, we'll see here. I'm not really good at uh, at uh, adding, but uh, how long ago was that? So it's the 18, 1834 would be uh, 44, um, 100, 160 years ago. Am I good? That sounds right, yeah. And uh, though there were little trickles before that of folks looking for freedom mm -hmm. across uh, borders and rivers and streams and oceans. Um, after the emancipation holiday or the emancipation was announced August the 1st, 1834, the trickle became a stream and those uh, places in the United Kingdom, which includes Canada, which comes into play with uh, our native Detroit, um, became very, very uh, busy places uh, for people looking for freedom. So emancipation, August the 1st, 1834, was a special day, not just to those in the British uh, uh, territories, but it also became um, pretty significant to people living elsewhere as well. Excellent. So is this something that we celebrate? Because I know that you are an Underground Railroad descendant and your family lies on both sides of the Detroit River in Canada and also in the United States of America. Is that something that is, because you mentioned Canada, so is that a holiday that's celebrated in Canada as well? It is a Canadian holiday. Um, you will find most people off work today and um, uh, 
you will find, uh, especially in Ontario, you'll find uh, people relaxing, people celebrating emancipation, which is what they do. It's uh, how they celebrate it. Let's put it this way. In Canada, emancipation at this time is celebrated somewhat similarly to our Juneteenth. Mm, okay. And the reason why I say like our Juneteenth, Juneteenth as well as Emancipation Day is not an official national holiday. Right. It is celebrated in places mm -hmm. um, with different events, celebrating, celebrating uh, the, the, the freedom and justice story. Mm -hmm. However, uh, it's not an official national holiday, which of course uh, means that everything stops and you sit at home and you light fireworks. But um, in uh, Canada, that the date is celebrated more probably around the country and the different uh, provinces of uh, Canada, Ontario, um, British Columbia, um, some of the provinces, but it is not a national holiday. However, that's about to change, or we hope so. Mm -hmm. uh, there has been a movement toward... Um, creating a national holiday uh, actually for back in the uh, 1950s, 1960s, there's been a push. It's been a long time. However, the push is getting stronger now of all things because of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it has that man whose daughter said his her father changed the world, George Floyd, really did. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of movement on the Canadian side. Uh, I've actually um, read the, the uh, request, the resolution that was sent on behalf of the citizenry from several local historians. Uh, the Ontario Black Historical Society is involved in the push. Uh, there are uh, many scholars and um, universities, as well as just local grassroots organizations that are behind, uh, and their system of government is different from ours. They have a parliament, of course, the prime minister. Uh, so it, it's a little different trying to get laws enacted there versus what ours is. Um, same general principle, I guess you would call it. Parliament has two houses, the House of Commons and the House of so there's it, it's a it's it's the same but it's different. Mm -hmm. So their their push is a little bit different because the end result is the prime minister will have to sign off on it, and if the prime minister chooses to, he can. If he not, it's um like I say, but they're they're actually uh, quite. Um, I think the Canadians at this time are are very very hopeful that this mm -hmm. will happen. I mm -hmm. think this is the time as it is in the United States, this is the time um, for a lot of things to happen. Even uh, when George Floyd's little girl said her daddy changed the world, he, she was very, very truthful when she said that. I, I don't even think she really realized how big a statement that was. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, uh, I hate to see a life snuffed out in vain. Yes. However, um, I don't think at the time, perhaps we all looked at George Floyd's death, um, murder, as um, uh, a life snuffed out, and which is true, mm -hmm. and uh, with no purpose. But I think that George Floyd is going to live forever. 
Um, his, his, his death was not in vain. Um, his legacy will be world, a world-changing moment. So that's, uh, if nothing good comes out of that moment, that's one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I said, talking about history with you is always fascinating. So we're talking about Emancipation Day in Canada. Are there any celebrations, any type of movements that you know that are happening in the United States at this time? I know that there's been um, some talk about turning Juneteenth into a national holiday. I haven't heard if there's any legislation that's actually been pushed through for that. Had you heard anything like that? Well, um, there's quite a few pushes around the country that are discussing uh, making Juneteenth a holiday, but I tend to be in the camp that I don't know the Juneteenth should be celebrated as a national holiday, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juneteenth, which for those that don't know, is traditionally known as June the 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually the date June 19th, 1865, when those that were in the state of Texas, you know, Texas, don't mess with Texas, but yes. Texas tends to be the last on the row. Not quite sure how that works out, but it is. Um, it was in on July the 19th, 1865, that those that were enslaved in Texas discovered that by the act of, <clears throat> excuse me, being told by Union soldiers that they were free. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the fact of the matter is they had been technically free um, in April when the Civil War lapsed and was over and the South surrendered. But uh, those in Texas chose not to tell everyone that they had enslaved that they were free to go. Um, so Juneteenth in Texas is a really big deal uh, and should be. Mm-hmm. It's celebrated, uh, celebrated in most parts of the state. Um, that to me is a state holiday in the making and it should be a state holiday. However, in the United States itself, we have two other events that actually created, if you want to say, the liberation of those that were in servitude. Okay. The first, of course, was uh, the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on January 1st, 1863. Now, what did it do? That document, released from bondage, released from servitude, those people that lived within the areas, the states, the seceded. So it liberated those in servitude that lived in Louisiana and Mississippi and uh, Kentucky, um, Florida. However, those, those that were fighting the union in the union, which included Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Uh, Those states were not part of that Emancipation Proclamation. That is not what it was written for. It was to release those that were in bondage in the states that succeeded 
And really, it was a tactical move by the President of the United States, Mr. Lincoln, because he needed more forces to fight in the Civil War. And that gave him a large fighting force. But that was those that were now formerly enslaved that were free Blacks. So at that point, it changed the trajectory of the, of the Civil War, was the Emancipation Proclamation. It was signed uh, actually on a Sunday. Um, it was signed during what at that time was the White House used to have uh, on the first day of the year, uh, the president would invite the people of the United States into the White House, into the people's house. And it would be celebrated as a brand new year. So it was a new year party event. And uh, over the course of that uh, few hours, Mr. Lincoln and those, his predecessors would shake hands and slap backs and laugh and have, and have, have cocktails and champagne with the people of the United States. And Mr. Lincoln said that uh, at that on that day that he signed it, he intentionally waited to sign the proclamation till after the event was over, specifically because he wanted to make sure that when he signed that document that would live forever, as he knew, that people knew he did, he did it in earnest and it wasn't a hesitation on his part. He wanted to have a strong signature on it. And after shaking four or 500 people's hands, maybe your signature isn't so strong that day. Mm-hmm. So he waited to sign it after he shook, all, shook, shook everybody's hand and God gave his hand a little rest. So that said, it was signed on the 1st of January, 1863. Now again, that only only freed those in servitude that were in the states that seceded, the southern states, the Confederacy. In December, on to be more exact, December 6, 1865, the uh, 13th Amendment mm-hmm. was signed, mm-hmm. or I should say was ratified, mm-hmm. and uh, by both houses of Congress. It had been uh, the 13th Amendment had been completed in September, but it took two it took two months to get that document ratified because there was a lot of fight, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, over it. The 13th Amendment freed everyone that was in servitude that had not been quote unquote freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, the document was created by a committee. And the committee worked on not only the 13th Amendment, it worked on the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment. And those are considered the bills, the freedom bills. Mm -hmm. The 13th Amendment, free to people, it was specifically written for the African-American population that at that point had been freed, but it was made official. And... At that point, everyone in the United States, technically, would have been a free soul. Mm-hmm. However, the 13th Amendment did not do what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. It took the 14th Amendment to do what needed to be done. And that is, the 13th Amendment freed everyone. So you had those of African descent that had been enslaved were literally uh existing without a country mm-hmm. because they were born into servitude and born as non-citizens 
Therefore, once those non-citizens were freed, they had to be given their citizenship, which is what the 14th Amendment did. Uh -huh. The 14th Amendment gave those people their citizenship. Um, it was a document written, and we refer back to it now for many reasons, because habeas corpus is, in, is involved in the 14th Amendment. And we look back on that amendment uh, for many reasons now. And it's fought over still, uh, specifically with uh, the DACA uh, mm -hmm. recipients. Yeah. Um, it is a powerful bill. It's very, it, it, it says a lot without saying much. Mm -hmm. um, however, I would uh, wager to uh, say to you that if I were to, um, to ask what, what was the most important amendment to the Constitution, 14 would probably be right after, th as they should be, right after 13. Mm -hmm. The fact that you, anyone within the borders of the United States are free, they are not supposed to be enslaved, and number two, they are all citizens. You're born here, you're a citizen, regardless of your parentage, mm -hmm. which was the catch they were using on African Americans, because at one point, if your parents were enslaved and were brought here from another country, they were not citizens. They, as a matter of fact, they weren't considered anything. Mm -hmm. But you being born here uh, was, a, was a clause that um, those that chose to enslave people used. Well, your parents weren't born here, so you're nothing. Mm -hmm. The 14th gave a group of people their citizenship. The 15th Amendment gave you your rights to vote. And I should say not you nor I, because the right to vote was given to uh, all males mm -hmm. in the United States over the age of 18. Mm -hmm. It did not give the right to vote over the age of 21, excuse me. It did not give the right to vote to women. Mm -hmm. So 13, 14, 15 are very important amendments. However, there were it was necessary in the 19th amendment to take an extra step to give women the right to vote. Right. So there, all of our, all of our, all the amendments to the constitution serve a great purpose. That's why it's very hard to change the constitution. It's very hard um, to get amendment passed. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have three fourths of the, of the three fourths vote in the country, in the country to get mm -hmm. it passed. Mm -hmm. So, that said, 13th Amendment was ratified on the December the 6th, 1865, um, and it did free everyone that had not been freed under, under the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, however, the citizenship question was left open at that point until the 14th Amendment was passed. But emancipation at that point in the uh, British, in the, uh, British Empire had been going on since 1834. Mm -hmm. So we're now 34, 6, of course, again, I'm trying to use math skills, 6, nine, what's that, 20, 25 years, roughly. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were already, that was already happening in, in the uh, United Kingdom. So um, the celebration that happened on August 1st was actually celebrated by people that weren't living there either. So uh, it became more of a combined celebration between the United States, especially in this area, the United States and uh, 
Canada. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. There's so much that we just don't know and don't um, understand unless you actually seek it out and um, try to learn it for yourself. Because this is definitely not something that is taught in school unless you go into a particular discipline of history. So I want to- no, it's not, and that's a problem. That's mm-hmm. a problem when you have a, when you have a populace in the United States, uh, 320 million or 220 million uh, people that, uh, 320 million mm-hmm. that we have here, and you don't even know your history. Right. I mean, basic, basic history, mm-hmm. basic history. Mm-hmm. Um, is is a is a shame. It's it's really really embarrassing to go to other countries, to travel, and to hear other people talk of their history as if it happened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to walk into churches and to schools and to see people on statues and see monuments and be told by just a passerby on the street that that is whoever. And um, here in our country, we don't even know our basic uh, constitutional rights. We don't know what the Constitution is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessary to quote dates and times, except if you're a scholar or you're a historian. Mm-hmm. But just to have the basic knowledge is uh, a little scary that, that uh, our children, especially, as we move forward and know that that's something that should be for our children not to know that mm-hmm. is really a problem with us. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to work on our local history and our national history and understand that it uh, drives, because history drives you today. Yes. What happened yesterday, what mm-hmm. happened a century ago, drives what you're doing today. Mm-hmm. So it's quite important. You're absolutely correct. I want to switch gears because you are an author and you write about history. And so you have taken the problem by the horns and decided to actually do something about it. And so you're writing history and you're sharing it to help educate and inform people as to what's going on. Can you talk a little bit about your books? And I'll hold the first one up. A Fluid Fluid Frontier is actually uh, a collaboration uh, between 12 authors. Six are American, six are Canadian. The foreword was written by a Pulitzer Prize winning, um, Frederick Douglass Prize Award winner, uh, Dr. David Blight, a very uh, renowned uh, scholar, um, professor of history, and uh, the um, uh, Dr. Blight is uh, is at Yale University and is the Gilder Lehman um, Scholar. Runs the African American uh, uh, School of Thought Diversity. He's quite a guy, and actually, he's a Flint native. How about that? Hey, yes, he is. When he comes home to do talks, when he comes back here, he always says he's home. I've been in his talks several times. He's a very nice man. Uh, the book we're very proud of. It was actually, uh, it actually won in 2016 when it was published. The uh, Michigan Historical Historical Society of Michigan's uh, Book of the Year for nonfiction. 
It has won several other prizes along the way. It has been taken uh, as a uh, resource book used uh, for curriculum study at the University of Windsor. It, uh, the book itself, Fluid, Front a Fluid Frontier, was used as the basis of a documentary series. Uh, there was a documentary, a documentary short that won uh, several international film festival awards for uh, Ephraim Asali, who is the uh, director, and it's called Fluid Frontier. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually included several people uh, in this area reading poetry. Uh, that uh, was inspired by the book itself, which Fluid Frontier uh, is, well, the entire title is, you have it in front of you, the entire title is A Fluid Frontier, uh, Slavery Resistance and the Underground Railroad in the Detroit River Borderlands. Mm -hmm. um, it was co-edited by Vita Tucker and Dr. Carolyn Smart Frost, and 12 authors wrote chapters within it, which one of which was mine on my, my family, my oh. family story. Uh, it is a uh, marvelous book. We're very proud of that book. Um, and it continues to sell. So uh, I would suggest anyone buy it. It is yeah. worth, it is worth having in their hand. And I'll give you a little, we can talk about this maybe at a later time, but that book is uh, going to be the basis of a, uh, another uh, uh, project uh, that I'm currently working on with the University of Michigan, Excellent. starting in September. Excellent. And then we have To the River. To the River, the remarkable journey of Carolyn Quarles, a freedom seeker on the Underground Railroad, is literally uh, the first book written by Carolyn Quarles and Alan Watkins' descendants, and that would be me. Uh, I am one of many, but uh, the family story of the Watkins matriarch and patriarch, Alan Watkins patriarch and Carolyn Quarles Watkins, his wife, our matriarch, who've been in the Detroit River region for 185 years. Uh, the book has uh, covers a little bit more than what is in the affluent frontier, and it also tries to uh, give a fuller picture to us my ancestor's story. The Watkins family is uh, very, very um, well known in the uh, on the Canadian side of our river in Windsor and in um, Sandwich in particular, which is the oldest part of Windsor. And there have been books written about uh, the Watkins, uh, a few in uh, by other authors, but it needed to be said by the descendants because nothing like telling your own story. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. But uh, Going back to emancipation, one of Carolyn's great-grandsons, uh, my grandfather, William Russell Small, they called him Russ, uh, was chairman of the emancipation celebrations that are worldwide, wow. widely known, um, and were celebrated more pre prevalently during the um, 40s, 50s, and 60s. He was chairman and the president, they called him Mr. Emancipation, was Walter Perry. And there's been several documentaries, The Greatest Freedom Show on Earth. Uh, uh, there's uh, actually a, in the works as we speak is a mini series, docu-series that will be uh, run on what is uh, Canadian, Canadian television, uh, CTV. 
Uh, it's going to be called Journey Back to Jackson Park, and they're working on it. It's supposed to be a, a mini-series, if you want to say. I believe there's going to be eight installments. There is um, another uh, uh, documentary that literally, uh, as we speak, uh, coming up the end of August, will be part of the Trinity Film Festival, the Detroit Black Film Festival, uh, and it's called Mr. Emancipation, story mm. of Walter Perry. And uh, yours truly is in it, um, talking a lot, like I talk a lot, about the emancipation celebrations here in Detroit, because the emancipations, even though, as I described earlier, emancipation was actually a Canadian holiday or Canadian event mm -hmm. uh, that started to be celebrated on August the 1st, 1834, and every year afterwards and was celebrated by those that were had been um, freedom seekers that had left the United States uh, uh, looking for their freedom and, and uh, actually uh, found it in Canada or a piece of it in Canada. Mm -hmm. The celebration commenced but it was uh, the, the 40s, the late 40s, early 50s, late 40s, 50s and 60s that emancipation took off. Um, it became an event. Uh, people guest, guesstimate, estimate police uh, that there were over a three-day three time frame. It was usually a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The closest Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that surrounds the August 1st date was a three-day carnival extravaganza mm -hmm. that uh, brought over a half a million people across the border to celebrate it in what is what is known uh, as Windsor's Jackson Park, which is a huge uh, uh, city park. It's gorgeous. Um, kind of like our Belle Isle, I would guess, but it's 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 a large, it's not quite as large as Belle Isle, but it's beautiful. Uh, green space. And uh, the event in the late 50s, early 60s was immense. People from all over this region on both sides of the river uh, up towards Toronto on the Canadian side and in, in, uh, on the American side, you had people as far as Ohio and uh, uh, parts of Kentucky coming to emancipation. Emancipation was everything that you would think of a three-day celebration of, of freedom was. It was uh, a lot of food, a lot of food, uh, bands, and there was a huge parade uh, somewhat like our Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, there was uh, a contest in specific. There was all it was a beauty contest. You can't have a can't have a celebration without a beauty contest. So Miss Sepia was the beauty contest. Then you had uh, entertainment. Uh, it is said that the Supremes, uh, who at the time were the Primettes, uh, debuted at Emancipation one year. Oh wow. The Temptations sang at Emancipation. They were the primes at the time. And then your speakers. On Sunday, there was a great big uh, event with the keynote speaker. And uh, the speakers read like a list of heroes in the freedom movement, from uh, Mary McLeod Bethune to Adam Clayton Powell wow. to uh, Eleanor Roosevelt to a young preacher. 1956, uh, the year after the Montgomery bus boycott, um, 
in on August the 1st, eight, excuse me, August the 1st, 1956, that young preacher from Georgia, uh-huh. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was the keynote speaker. And he had just completed, completed the successful uh, Montgomery bus boycott and uh, came to speak on that. And of course, uh, freedom, mm-hmm. justice. Um, it was um, quite a time, my grandfather being the chair of the committee was responsible for making sure that the speakers were there and uh, making sure that uh, the money kept flowing and the barbecue kept happening. And he told me once, I'll never forget, it was quite a, quite a, from a man who uh, was never at a loss for words, uh, when he, he said when he picked up Martin King at the airport at the time was Willow Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willow Run was open and Martin came into Willow Run. So he drove out to Willow Run and for the next hour, he had to bring him back from Willow Run Airport and across the river and to the emancipation celebrations in Windsor. So it was he and my grandfather for an hour or so, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. He said if he had to pinpoint, and my grandfather was quite a guy, he was band leader, uh, he ran the Nacarima Club in Detroit, the historic Nacarima Club for 20 years. Uh, as I said, he was chairman of emancipation. He was a Shriner. He was a 33rd degree Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, quite a guy. For him to say that that hour spent with Reverend King was the greatest hour of his life was a big statement from a man uh, that saw a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't tell you, he was silent. He had very little, it was almost like he didn't want to break the bubble. Mm. It was when he spoke of that, he would speak and then he would just let it go. And uh, the day that uh, King was assassinated, my fa- I only saw my grandfather cry twi- twice in, in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the day that my dad died and the day that King died. It was only twice. He was uh, quite, a, quite a man. And uh, that, that moment struck him quite a bit. Just like all people will tell you when they were around uh, Dr. King. Mm-hmm. They str- he struck them in that moment, uh, made them keep going. So as I wake up today on August the 1st, on Freedom Day, uh, celebration of emancipation, I uh, had freedom on my mind this morning. So, Thank you, Kimberly Simmons. You always bring us lots of information and keep us educated and informed on history and giving us a good perspective on some things to think on. And as you said, with freedom on my mind, our nation is still in a state of unrest. As you said earlier, George Floyd did not die in vain. He died for a purpose, unfortunately, that should not be, but it's still here. And we have lots and lots of conversations that are happening around this country. And so we all are hopeful that change will come. We have to all be involved in some form or fashion, but in November, we all need to vote. Thank you again, Kim, for coming on. Thank you, appreciate it. No problem.
You have been watching the Kim B. Davis Show. And of course, I'm your host, Kim B. Davis. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to see you on the next episode. And remember, always be magnificent. <laughs>